pretty cool service plan for you. There are 15 baptisms coming up. That's crazy. But first, why don't you guys get up on your feet, find someone, tell them good morning.
some robe difficulties here. Well, I tell you, we are very excited this morning to be, uh, be a part of the service, and, and this morning we have 14 baptisms. Oh, good. Wow. That's good. 14 is good. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I'm very excited this morning because uh, the stories of, of all these folks is so different. Um, and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit, a little bit later on as we start going through our baptisms. Um, this morning, we have a husband who's going to be baptizing his wife and his son, um, and then we have a father who will be baptizing his son, and then I'll have the privilege to baptize about 11 students this morning. Um, one of the things that we always want to make sure that people understand 
is that baptism doesn't save you at all. It gets you wet. <laughs> and some more wet than others, depending on how things go this morning. But baptism really is just a beautiful picture of what has already taken place in the lives of every one of these individuals who are going to walk through here. Because at, at one point, they all realized that they were dead. They had no hope. No matter how hard they tried, no matter how good they tried to be, it still wasn't good enough. And at some point, every person that you'll see walk through this baptism this morning came to the point where they realized they needed a Savior. And every one of them have called out and has accepted God's free gift of salvation through his son, Jesus. And this is an incredible picture of that. Because as they go under the water, it's signifying their death. And as they're raised again, it's signifying their brand new life through their relationship with Jesus. And that's what we do this for. It's an outward expression of what's already happened in their lives. And so now, without further ado, grab your popcorn and your coffee and sit back. <laughs> Marshall. pray for them so let's pray father i thank you for this family lord jesus that loves you to see a, a mother and her son baptized in front of a group of people and on the internet because they want everybody to know that they belong to you it's an awesome thing i thank you for the leadership of a godly man who uh who can pastor his home and desires to pastor his home father this uh, family has blessed this church and how they serve us and quietly and they work in our children's ministry and and Lord Jesus, I thank you for quiet faithfulness. And I ask, Father, that this would be a special day. And as this family uh, begins to walk out having taken this stand, I pray you'd protect them. I pray you would bless them. And I pray you'd make, your, make yourself known through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We need a bigger baptistry. <laughs> Next, we have Josiah Happer. He can be baptized by his father, Kip. Oh, this is so warm. It is. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. As a father, there are just very few things you get to do that are any better than this. All right, put your hand up. Josiah, my son, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Getting old. 
It's great when the patriarch of the family can have a prayer. We, uh, we've had the privilege of helping to raise Josiah in the early years of his life when he was about zero to one or two or three, something like that. And then on up through the years, we've had a, a part in his life, and it's been just an amazing thing. Uh, we do love him and love his daddy and all of the kids, all of them. So I want to pray. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful experience. Thank you for Josiah's uh, giving his life to you. I pray, Father, your Holy Spirit will be with him and strengthen and guide him in the years to come. May his parents and may grandparents be there always to encourage and to help direct his path. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, next we have a mess of middle school boys. <laughs> One of the things that we talk about a lot is the incredibly importance of our small group leaders on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings. Uh, our small group leaders poured into the lives of these kids uh, in just an amazing, amazing way. And so uh, after we, we baptized these um, five middle school boys, uh, Mark Dubos, uh, he and I lead our student ministry together. Uh, he also has been working with middle school boys forever. Uh, Mark is going to pray for all these guys uh, when we get done with their baptisms. So, you ready, Gavin? Yeah. Let's do this. <laughs> She's going to cannonball, cannonball. Let's oh, do yeah. it. All right. Uh, that would have been so awesome. Wow. I I'm very excited this this morning uh, to have the privilege to baptize Gavin. Uh, Gavin and his family have been a part of our church for some time now, and, and one of the things that's really interesting about Gavin and his family is there are two other young men who are going to be baptized, uh, who really are here as a result of, of Gavin and his family reaching out to them and picking them up every Wednesday night and bringing them to church. And uh, so I'm very, very proud of you and your family, and man, that's a really cool thing. All right, you ready? Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. Wait, not yet. Oh. Why not? I'll get you, man. Why not? I don't know. Okay. We don't have a fight here. No. <laughs> Gavin, let me ask you a question first. Have you accepted God's free gift of salvation yes. by asking Jesus to your heart? Yes. Awesome. Now we'll do it. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Gavin, this. <laughs> I got you, man. We're good. It's not my first rodeo. Trust me. All right. Okay. Gavin, it's upon your profession of faith. I love this kid. It's upon your profession of faith that I have the privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Congratulations, You're going to argue with me in the baptistry. Come on. Hey, you ready? They just skip down here. They don't even care. This is Hayden Collie. And Hayden accepted Christ not too long ago on a Wednesday night, and uh, this is one of the young men that Gavin's bringing with him, and we are super excited for you this morning as you take this next step in your journey. You ready? Hayden, have you accepted Jesus' free gifts of salvation? Awesome, let's do this. Go ahead and put your hand up. Because of your profession of faith, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
kind of like a hot tub, except they're in the jet tub. Yeah. This, this, is, this is my friend Mason, and he told me Wednesday night, I'm so excited about this weekend, and, uh, and we we're excited for you. He prayed to receive Christ on a Wednesday night, and, uh, and it's so cool to see uh, these young men in middle school giving their lives to Christ. And one thing I want you to understand is that all these students that are being baptized, uh, from Missy uh, and Dustin, they're not perfect in any stretch of the imagination. But they've understood that they had a need in their life, and they've responded to this incredible gift that God offers to every single one of us. You ready? Yes, sir. Turn this way. And you've accepted that gift of salvation through asking Jesus into your heart. Yes, sir. Awesome. Mason, it is my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on down, people. This is my friend, Cooper King. And Cooper is here because he wants to take that next step in his journey. So, Cooper, have you accepted the free gift of salvation through asking Jesus into your heart? Awesome. Let's do this. Cooper, because of your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son. Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm guessing it's your sister? All right, awesome. This is Briar. And Briar came up to me this past Wednesday night and said, man, I need to be baptized. I got saved a while back and I want to be baptized. And I was like, Join the party. <laughs> but Briar, I just want to ask you a question. You've accepted God's free gift of salvation by asking Jesus into your heart? Yes, sir. All right, let's do this, man. It is upon your profession of faith that I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. going to ask, ask all of our middle school guys if they'll kind of uh, make their way back in here and we'll squeeze all in. I'm going to step on out. You guys scoot on in. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for these uh, young men and Lord, I just pray that you will uh, bless their lives, and Lord, we pray that as they grow, that they will become godly men and, and godly husbands and fathers, and Lord, that they will always, uh, always follow you and be known as, as men after your heart. Lord, again, we thank you for them. In Jesus' name, amen. the chances of a cannonball have just greatly diminished. Wait, <laughs> somebody's clapping for that? All right. Y'all ready? It's like a traffic jam back here. They're trying to get me. Come on in, Cole. This is Colby Hanks, and, and it's been my privilege to watch Colby grow up. Uh, in the last several years and really become and just a solid young man who really is just trying to walk with God and that is so cool for me to watch 
Colby actually prayed to receive Christ several years ago at preteen camp with Miss Alicia. And, uh, and so, I mean, we were super excited. We've been, we've been wanting to do this for a while. I mean, if I worked out, we could do it. So, I mean, we're very, very excited for you. Colby, she'll turn around for me right there. And Colby, I know that you have, let's go this way. I know that you have asked Jesus into your heart to be your savior, right? Yes, sir. All right, so you do this. Colby, is because of your profession of faith that I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Super excited about this guy too. Uh, Jack made a decision to trust Christ at preteen camp also yes, sir. with Miss Alicia. Yay! <laughs> no, it's really awesome because we, Mark and I, talked about this morning. We don't really we don't push baptism with our students, our children, because we want them to really understand what it's all about. And Jack understands what it's about. We we almost baptized you in Colorado until we got in trouble for getting in the water. So <laughs> here we are. So Jack. You've asked Jesus to be the Savior and Lord of your life. Yes, sir. Cool. Well, let's do this. Because of your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you so much for all these students that have uh, chosen this morning to make a public display of their faith in you. Uh, I thank you for Jack and for Colby. I thank you for uh, what great men these are for you. And I pray that you would empower them by your Holy Spirit to walk with you and empower them to share their faith with others. Thank you again for all these students. In Jesus' name, amen. We got more. <laughs> you ready? Come on, that's right. This this is my friend Serenity, and um, she's become part of our Second Wind Ministry. And man, it's been cool to watch and to watch how you've been growing in your relationship with God. And so, what is super awesome to do this this morning? So, Serenity, you have come to a point in your life where you've asked Jesus to save you and accepted that incredible gift that God gives you. Awesome. Let's do this. Serena, because of your profession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is Courtney Hayes. This is Colby's sister. And Courtney, you prayed to receive Christ at preteen camp also, didn't you? Awesome. So you've made that decision to trust Christ, and you've asked him to be your Savior, right? Yes, sir. All right. Let's do this. Courtney, because of your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uh, 
Cammie has been trying to be baptized for a long time. Last time we did a student baptism, she had had ear surgery and uh, couldn't go into the water, so it got postponed. And then she hurt her knee, and I thought, do you really want to get baptized? What are you doing here? <laughs> but uh, so she is uh, weathering the uh, knee injury to do this today. We're so excited for you. So, Cammie, you've made a decision to trust Christ and ask him to come in and be your Savior? Yes, sir. All right, let's do this. Because of your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father God, I just thank you for today and the opportunity to come before you and worship you and um, pray a special blessing over these ladies, Serenity, Cami, and Courtney. Father God, I just pray that you'll come alongside us and um, help us help them on their journey and um, be with us today. You say that their steps are ordered by the Lord. And Father God, I just um, pray again a special blessing. Thank you for today in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Tori, and um, Tori has one of the coolest um, salvation stories I think I've ever had the privilege of being a part of, and it was a very unique uh, situation. Um, oftentimes in the summer, we do events called Second Wind Late Nights, and uh, they're very non-spiritual events. They're just a place for us to hang out with students and spend some time together, and uh, this particular event was dubstep dodgeball. You know what that is, we do it in here, the lights are going crazy, there's crazy music playing, and we're throwing dodgeballs at each other. It's a pretty spiritual event. Um, <laughs> and in the middle of it, uh, Audrey came over and said, hey, somebody needs to talk to you. And so I walked over, and Tori and I and Audrey sat right on those speakers while lights are flashing and dubstep music's playing and people are throwing dodgeballs at us. And, and Anna actually, protected us through all of it. It's taken a couple of them in the face and we're excited about that. But it was sitting right over there that Tori cried out to God and just said, I can't do this anymore. And it was one of the coolest, um, coolest prayers that I've ever heard because it's just honest. It wasn't a rote prayer, it wasn't repeat after me. I think I just said, just talk to God and you're kind of like, what? Yeah. And she did. Um, and so there is, no doubt in my mind at that moment when she cried out to God that God came and saved her just like that. And so it is an incredibly cool privilege this morning to baptize you. So I just want to make sure. Yes, sir. <laughs> while we were dodging dodgeballs, you prayed to receive Christ and asked him to be your Savior. Yes, sir. I thought so. All right, you ready? Yeah. Or it's because of your profession of faith that I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Father, 
I thank you so much for Tori and the strength that she has to make this public profession of faith. God, I just pray that you'll wrap your arms around her and let her know that she's always loved, no matter what. And I pray for us as a church family that we will come in behind her and support her as she grows. In Jesus' name, amen. Offered, uh, offered 50 bucks anybody would cannonball, and I couldn't get anybody to do it, so you got some good kids. Nobody would cannonball. <laughs> but hey, um, just real quick, wanted to just kind of point out the obvious. Um, I'm not playing guitar, I'm just singing. Uh, we've made a couple changes up here, and I just kind of wanted to point that out so everybody kind of knows what's going on. Nothing crazy. We've moved Hayden over to guitar, so he's going to start playing uh, acoustic for us. He's awesome. And then uh, Justin, who has been one of our singers, is going to start playing electric for us. So we're excited about some of them, the changes. And um, I have to warn you, I may be a little awkward here because I haven't led without a guitar in about 10 years. So I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with the hands during all this worship. So, uh, yeah, just give me a couple weeks to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> I may walk down the aisle and high-five guys. Got the wireless mic. There's no telling what might happen here. But uh, real quick, just a couple announcements, and we're going to jump back into worship. Um, has anybody been to one of our worship nights that we've done so far? All right, cool. Um, the rest of you guys need to come tonight. It's really cool. Um, it's just basically, it's an hour of singing. We're going to kick off around 6 o'clock. We just sing for an hour, and uh, we get out of here. Um, I'm really excited tonight. We have a, one of my buddies from Tyler is actually coming down. He's a singer-songwriter, um, Todd Wright. He's coming down, and he's actually going to co-lead with me tonight. So it's going to be super cool. Um, you guys come out. We crank up the music. Um, there's no real rules. Um, we just kind of get in here and worship. If you have kids, there's no child care, but bring them. Uh, they can run up and down the aisles. They can do whatever they want to do. Uh, it's real informal. We, like I said, we just sing for an hour, and we just have a good time. Uh, one more announcement. Um, we try not to get too political in here, but we do have a booth out here um, if anybody wants to register to vote. Okay? Uh, if you're not registered to vote, we're getting close. It's almost over, guys. It's almost over. <laughs> Two more months. One more month, right? Just like a month to go. And uh, all this will be behind us, and we can all celebrate or shoot ourselves, whichever way you want to go. <laughs> We're not getting too political here. But, yeah, there is a booth out here that you can register to vote if you want to. Um, I'm not exactly sure where it's at, but if you will just go out these doors, it's going to be right out here in the lobby area. Okay? Um, let's, let's our um, ushers come forward. We're going to start. Uh, we're going to take up the offering. Uh, one thing that's really cool that I've always appreciated that Mark says about the offering is that uh, if you're a visitor, this isn't for you. And I know a lot of times coming into a church, uh, that can be kind of weird. You know, am I supposed to give money? What am I doing here? Uh, if you're a visitor, first of all, welcome. Uh, we're glad you're here. But uh, as the plate comes, just, just pass it by. Don't put anything in there unless you just really want to. But don't feel obligated. Just pass the plate by. This is for us. This is for our Carpenter's Way folks so that we can uh, support the missions and the, the bills and just everything that happens here on a weekly basis. Okay? So let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we're just blown away at what you're doing here. We look over and we see 15 kids um, just on their own will, God, um, not being pushed to do anything, not, not being forced to do anything, but uh, just on their own will saying, I want to make a profession of faith in front of my church family and the world. I mean, it's going out on the Internet and people across the country are watching. And, and God, I just ask, Lord, that uh, actually I just I thank you. I thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing here at Carpenter's Way. I thank you for what you're doing in these kids' lives. Lord, we thank you for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing here in this community, but also across the world through our mission work. And 
And God, I just ask, Lord, that you would bless this offering. God, that it just be uh, received for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And all that is within me cries for you alone be glorified, Emmanuel, God with us. And my heart sings a brand new song, the dead is paid, these chains are
therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and we joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Amen. a sinner, now I'm clean. Once condemned, now I'm made clean. He turned my darkness into light, now I see. Once in ashes, there's beauty. Once in pieces, I'm complete. My Redeemer now resides. He lives in me. Oh, 
Jesus, I surrender all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. course with us.
That is a dangerous song. What an awesome morning this has been. If uh, you're visiting with us this morning, all those kids aren't escaping my preaching. They would love to listen. But we, uh, we have a children's ministry GPS, and that goes up through. I, I always mess this up. Is it through third grade? Can somebody help me? Is it up through third grade? So if you have kids in that age group and you would like them to go enjoy a Bible study on their level, you can. And if you're afraid and you don't know this church, you can go sit in with them. We'd love to have you do that. What an epic morning. You know, uh, pe- people get lost in what church is. And, and uh, um, I got to tell you, it's all about what we did this morning. It's why, it's why I got in ministry in the first place. To see people not just saved, but surrender. Surrender themselves to the Lord. And I know that there's a lot of you wondering if, there's enough time for me to preach, and I'm here to tell you there's plenty of time. Because I think the first football game starts at noon, so what are you hurried for? Um, I, I want to be clear, though, as we start this morning, uh, our time in the Word together. Uh, if you're visiting with us and you brought a Bible, uh, good luck trying to follow me. i got lots of verses I want to share with you today. But uh, it'll be on the screen behind me. But I, I want to be clear on what happened this morning. Uh, this was not people becoming Christians or joining our church. It's really, really important that we're all on the same page of that. It's, it's become too associated with evangelicalism, especially Baptist churches. Uh, that's not what happened this morning. Um, what happened is that you'll notice that Jeff asked each and every kid he baptized, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Uh, that's, that's the first step. But the, but the ordinance of the church is actually to make disciples. I mean, that's what we do. We don't make little Christians or little Baptists or little church members. We make disciples. In fact, um, what, uh, what happened before this is that each of those young people and adults who were baptized this morning and, and, and most of us in this room who come here every week realize this from Romans 6.23. And I, I, like I said, I want to take you on a little bit of a journey this morning. We came to a point in our lives when we realized that the wages of sin is death. I mean, that's just a realization you come to. God reveals it to you, and you know it in your heart. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Um, For those of you who are unclear maybe about what Christianity is, whether you're in this room or you're on the Internet, let, let let me share with you what Paul wrote about this thing, this salvation thing from Romans chapter 3. Uh, Follow along, it'll be on the screen. For no one can ever be made right with God but doing what the law commands. And I'm going to add religious law because that's what it's talking about, Jewish law, the Ten Commandments. Nobody can ever be made right with God, which is our problem. Our, Our problem isn't that we just mess up. I mean, we all mess up. The problem is that we're accountable to God for that mess up. And after you die, you face him as the judge. He's either the lion or the lamb. He's either somebody you have a relationship with or somebody who's going to lay down judgment on you. And, and nobody can ever be made right by being religious enough or by doing religious laws or doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Verse 21. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with himself without keeping the requirements of the law. How crazy is that? Because I don't want you to miss that. What I just said was you don't have to be religious to be saved. You don't have to, you don't have, to have kept the Ten Commandments. You can meet, God has shown us a way to be made right with himself without keeping the requirements of law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Not the church, not not the pastor, not the water, but in Jesus Christ. Placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everybody sins. We all fall short of God's standard. 
Don't let the glorious word throw you off. We all fall short of God's expectation, God's standard of acceptability. We all fall short. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we're righteous. How amazing is that? Have you ever wanted to just be said, it's okay, I, I forgive you, let's move on. I declare you okay. That's what this says. Not by the religious law, but by Jesus Christ. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. You don't have to pay for your own sin. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for that sin. People are made right with God. Okay, take a deep breath. Here it is. If you don't know this, whether you're in this room or on the internet, people are made right with God. Here it goes. When they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And each of those you saw baptized this morning have done that. Every one of them. And you may be wondering, well, how do you do that? Where, where do you buy that ticket? Where do you get it? Well, Romans 10 actually answers that. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be forgiven, saved. You'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you're saved. As the Scriptures tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Where have you put your faith? In religion, in pastors, in books, in alcohol, in you, in your spouse? Where have you put your faith in? Where is your hope lie? How are you dealing with your sin problem? Everybody who puts trust in him will never be disgraced. Jew or Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Rich or poor, white or black, doesn't matter your heritage, your religious affiliation. This ain't about religion. It's about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. This is about not wanting to die in your sins. And every one of those people you saw this morning, whether adult or teen or, or young teen, has accepted Jesus Christ's offer to forgive their sins. One young lady did it here while my daughter was running security, I guess. It's that simple. And I know it seems too simple, but that is, that is uh, what Scripture says. It is as simple as all as we who consider ourselves to be followers of Christ have come to realize that we're sinners in need of help or forgiveness before we step out of this life, before our life is taken from us. In other words, I don't want to die without having dealt with my sin before I face the judge. It's as simple as that. It says that the, the, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And after searching for forgiveness... We have found the permanent solution to our badness problem in Jesus Christ. That's why God sent his son. Because he loved us so much that anyone who believes in him will not perish or, or go under God's judgment will have eternal life. It's about life. And I tell you what, there's so much noise out there, and, and especially in the political season. There's religious against religions. There's people against people. Let me just be clear that we may have SBC on the door, but we are not a Southern Baptist church. We are Jesus Christ Church. And there's a difference. There is a difference. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We never once ask those kids if they're Baptists. Don't care. Really, really, really don't care. The reason we're a Southern Baptist church is because we think they have a pretty phenomenal mission program, and we support it financially. But beyond that, we are the children of God weekly gathering to encourage each other. And I wanted to make it abundantly clear to everybody in this room, whether you come here or not, that Jesus Christ is the Savior, not this place. And what an amazing morning to see young people going, let's do this thing. And I assure you, I, I know it's hard to believe, but we do not, we do not twist arms to get people baptized. I, I've, I've said this the last few weeks. We've had some baptisms the last few weeks, and, and before that, we had about a year without any. And some people were asking, do you do baptisms here? But, but we didn't for the last year because we had so many before that. 
And uh, I, I just want to say that if you are a child of God um, who has been saved, the water's warm. I know it makes you nervous. It's supposed to make you nervous. Well, I don't think I want people to stare at me. This is about accountability. It's about saying, watch me. Wait till we get to Thessalonians after this week. We're going to go into a study of Thessalonians. And, and he talks about, hey, you follow me as I follow Jesus. I know we don't like to do that. Well, don't look at me because I'm just a sinner saved by grace. You are a sinner saved by grace filled with the Holy Spirit who are supposed to stand out. Now, if you choose not to stand out, you're still going to heaven, but you're a lousy example of what it's about. But we do stand out. And that's what those young people did today. And I'm proud of them. I'm proud of them. And I'm proud of the mom who is willing to be baptized too to say in front of you, I, I want you to know. She's been praying about it for years. And the Lord said it's time. So those who are baptized and the rest of us who have called on the name of the Lord to be saved, we have done that. And we are forgiven of our sin, whether baptized or not, and declared right with God by the love and, of Jesus, the love of the Father, and the promise of and the promise of the Father. So if you have not done that, if you are on a spiritual journey looking for something to take away the guilt and the shame and the fear, I just want to tell you this morning, join us. Don't join us at Carpenter's Way. Join the family of God. Right where you're at, call in the name of the Lord. It's as simple as that. Well, what do I say? No magic words, and I'm not going to give you any. Tell him what you need. Tell him you're a mess, and he's not. He's the only one that can save you. And he says, all who call on me will be saved. All of them, 100%. Doesn't matter what you've done. Gay or straight doesn't matter. It is amazing to me that in the church today, we are adamantly speaking out against homosexual relationships while in the church we have an epidemic of people living in sin. When we get it all worked out, then we can start trashing the world for their sin. But until we get it together, let's just keep talking about Jesus because that's our only hope. He is our only hope. Now having done that, having been saved, and I want to move on a little bit, I want to take you to the next step. Having been saved, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, having been forgiven of our sin and adopted into God's family, Jesus calls you to something bigger. You were not saved just to keep you out of hell. You were saved, according to Ephesians 1, to be adopted and to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit. And his plan then was to use you. It was to use you. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 24. If any of you wants to be my follower... You must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. And I'll leave that up there for a second because I want to show, show you something. Unfortunately, the way we're geared in our English language, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not running for president, but I have the cough of a presidential candidate. Um, <coughs> one of the, that was not a shot, okay? My health is fine. <laughs> Sorry. Stop. But I, 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 want, I want you to notice, sometimes when you see that selfish ways, you go, yes, I'm a selfish person. He's not talking about your sinful selfishness where you steal a cookie so nobody else can have it or take the last seat in a room. It's not that kind of selfishness. He's talking about living for yourself. It, it sounds so negative here, but it's really not that negative. It's just saying, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to turn away from your own, your own uh, thing. You're going to have to pick up your cross, die to your own desires, and follow me. Baptism is the picture of that. That's why it's an after-salvation thing. Uh, case in point, Jesus had to be baptized, but he didn't need to be saved. He was the perfect son of God. But he was baptized going into the water to say, I'm not just dead to sin, I'm dead to my own selfish ways. Jesus was selfish, sure. He talked over and over about four or five times in the gospel saying, I didn't come to do my own will. He had his own will as a man, but he came to do his father's will. 
So when he went down into the water under John the Baptist's leadership, when he went under the water, he said, I'm not doing my own will. I came, I'm dying to that. I came to do the will of my Father. It's a picture of death, burial, and resurrection into a new life. So for those of you who are children of God, whether you were taught this or not, the truth is that we are, if we're going to be truly followers of Christ in this life, we are to die to our own selfish ambition. We're to take up our cross and follow him. These folks you saw this morning just told the world that they are not going to live for themselves anymore. Young men, young women, you have said that now publicly. And you are going to be held into account for it by people. If you go out tonight and get crazy and feed your flesh, your family has every right, especially the unsaved members of your family, say, what'd you do? Oh, that was great. Oh, that's that little Baptist thing you do. And we can all be mocked for it. But when you got saved, you weren't just saved from judgment. You were saved. That's mercy. But you were adopted into the family of God for a life that is unbelievable. The interesting thing is, though, that you just declared that you are God's property and you want everybody to know that you are voluntarily giving up control and giving it over to Jesus no matter what he asks. And some people right now are going, Nobody told me that before I was dunked under. That's because we wanted to deceive you into this. The truth is the church sometimes makes it all about not going to hell. And certainly that's a great starting point. But there's more. There's so much more. And it isn't a new battle of the flesh. It's not, it's not just you and I that go, well, what, if, what if I get taken to a beach in an orange jumpsuit and somebody puts a knife to my throat? I don't want to do that. First of all, nobody wants to do that. And second of all, we've always struggled with this. Our brothers and sisters in Christ have always struggled with that tension. You're familiar with one of those stories, actually probably half the story. It was back in John chapter 21. Uh, the disciples, this is a week after the resurrection of Christ, and the disciples have been fishing all night. They don't know what else to do, and Peter says, let's go fishing. So they go. Why do they go fishing? Because that's what fishermen do. And they're not sure whether or not Jesus is going to stay around. He said he was going to leave them. He's resurrected. They're pleased. They're talking about the stories of walking with him. And Peter just says, let's go fishing. So they go fishing, and they catch nothing. And you remember the story because in the morning, the sun is coming up, and there's Jesus on the beach, and they don't recognize him. But some smart aleck on the beach to these guys yells out, hey, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. You're fishing the wrong direction. Now, about half of you are fishermen, and if somebody yelled that at you, you would send them an emoji that you shouldn't. The fact is, they did it, and as soon as the nets are full of fish, John says to Peter, that's Jesus. It's Jesus. And you remember the story. Peter gets excited, and he jumps out of the boat, and he swims to shore. And Jesus says, come on, the rest of you, I'm making your breakfast. And there's charcoal, and there's fish on it, and they bring some of the fish up, and they cook more fish, and they eat, and they have a great time. And as soon as they're done with this breakfast, Jesus looks at Peter. Well, let's pick it up there, John 21, 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than, than these? Oh, yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know that I love you. And feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked this question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said, then feed my sheep. I want to pause, because you're all familiar with this story. This is one of the great ones in the New Testament. But what happens now is exceedingly human. It's one thing 
to be called by the pastor or God and asked to teach a Sunday school class. It's one thing for God, uh, through Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ, not to say, Peter, why did you deny me? Peter's just glad he doesn't bring it up. It's another thing to say, feed my sheep. I'm going to make you a pastor, Peter. Peter's happy about that until he asks three times. Then he gets frustrated with him. But the good news is Jesus doesn't bring up Peter's sin. And why should he? It's gone. You see, for the child of God, sin is not the problem. Surrender is. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, he saves you. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9 says. Not every day, but for all time. Peter was clean. Peter was forgiven. He was just not submissive. So Jesus has this talk, and Peter's relieved. and says, yes, I love you, yes. Why do you keep asking me this question? You know I love you. Verse 18, I tell you the truth, Peter, Jesus talking to him, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself, and you went wherever you wanted to go. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. In other words, those days are over, son. Now you're mine. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, Peter, follow me. And look at Peter's response. Probably like the lump in the throat of some of the young people who got baptized today. He turned around and he saw behind him a disciple Jesus loved. That's John, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Peter looks at Jesus, looking at him, says to Jesus, what about him? <laughs> it's okay to laugh. This is funny. It really is because he's acting like people. This is Peter, New Testament Peter. Some say he's the first pope. I say he's the first foolish pastor. He's told by the king of kings, do you love me? Oh, I love you. Doesn't bring up his sin because the sin's been paid for. But he says, you need to follow me. I got something for you to do. And your days of deciding even what color pants you wear are over, son. And you're going to die for me. And Peter responded, just like me. Am I the only one? And Jesus responds, if I want him to remain until, alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. That's New Testament Jesus speak for. Mind your own business. I own both of you. Do you, you realize what happened here? Jesus completely ignores Peter's denial because he had forgiven it, and now he's telling him what his life is going to be like. And Peter's answer is, is this for everybody or just for me? And Jesus' response is, I do one person at a time. I'll take care of John when I'm ready. Young people, older people who got baptized today, what you did this morning was the same thing Jesus did. You basically said, my life is not the Lord's. It's, I mean, my life is not my own. It's the Lord's. And for those of you who come here regularly who have been baptized, do you remember that that's exactly what you did? You gave up control. You gave up, you gave up even, even your necessity of choosing the color of your clothes or the way you'll die. You said, I'll trust you even in the difficulty. You see, if you're a child of God, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this, 
Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now you know your purpose. Who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so now honor God with your body. Young person, how you use your cell phone now matters because it's not your fingers typing. They belong to someone else. Old person, what you do with your retirement years is not just a choice you made when you were 30 to put money away. It belongs to the king. That money you spend is not your money. You've been bought with a price. And this is the part of the story that we fail to tell each other. Your sin is not your problem. We keep going, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin. And God's going, I've already taken care of your sin. I'm not worried about that. I just want ownership. You think God's worried about sin when he's paid for it. He's worried about control. It's worse than you ever thought what you could possibly imagine. And we've been talking about this over the last few weeks because, because the the followers of Jehovah God have always struggled with this. We talked about Elijah and David and Moses and Abraham. We talked about Paul. And these guys went through emotions. We talked about Jonah, anger over God's plan for their life, anger over God's plan for the world, frustration, depression. God allowed them to do amazing things, but they found themselves going, I am so tired. What are you doing? I would rather die. And God says, you're not that lucky. I'm not done with you yet. I know this is harsh, but the, the reality is, brothers and sisters, that we have been bought with a price. When we're baptized, we're saying we recognize that. So what was the end of the song we sang this morning? Do what you want to do. I love the bridge and I surrender all. I thought that the new version of Amazing Grace was better. I think this is a better version of I surrender all. That bridge, do what you want to do. Take me. As long as I'm healthy. As long as I have enough money, as long as I like my wife, that's not the condition. Jesus' question to Peter wasn't, do you like Gentiles, or do you like Jews, or do you like the guys around the fire? He, didn't even ask, he, he asked him that at first, do you love me more than these? But ultimately, he didn't care what Peter thought of the rest of the world. He just said, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. It's not for love of people you serve God, it's for love of God. You see, we talk so much about the one in that picture and that's a real picture. That's the first photograph ever taken of Jesus. Um, why, are you, why are you laughing? Seriously, it was very expensive. Um, but but the, the fact is that we talk about him loving us so much. My question is, do you love him back? Do we love him? Do we love him enough to allow him to say, then stop choosing what you want that makes you feel good and understand that those days are over. You're here to serve me. If you struggle with homosexuality, you put it aside for the king. If you're not married and you have sexual desire, you put it aside for the king. But I'm lonely. Yes, you are. It'll be over in 70 years. You offer yourself. Not just the stuff that's easy, the stuff that's hard. Everybody can give up the easy stuff. Preacher, I'm against alcohol. That's because you don't like alcohol. The real cost comes as if you like it and you feel that God wants you to put it away. It's what we do in the dark when nobody's looking that counts. Too often we talk only of the love of God for us and that's great and that will get you saved. But do you love him? That will get you surrendered. 
Child of God, baptized or not, your life is not your own. Your days of deciding what you do are over. You are his property. When you go to school, when you go to work, when you wake up or go to bed, what you do on the internet, where you go on a date, you are going as God's property. And any time he wants, he can intervene in your life and ask you to do something for him. That's what this whole going under the water is actually about. It's safer than actually throwing you six feet under dirt. That's too serious of a picture. The struggle of being God's property to use as he sees fit is a struggle that's been around so long, and I already pointed out with Peter it was there. But there's another story that I want to tell you as we get close to ending this morning. <laughs> Some of you didn't think I could do it. Well, we'll be out of here by 1130. Steve, Steve wasn't an apostle or even really a famous disciple. He didn't travel with Jesus as far as we knew before his crucifixion, and there's no New Testament book by his name. He's just simply a follower of Christ. And as he had done every week, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And one day when he went into the Sabbath, he was engaged by the religious leaders, the rabbis and the others, who are doctrinally protectors of the synagogue, and they start drilling him with questions. Acts 6 tells us this story, and you're going to have to forgive me because I'm going to read three chapters of Scripture. So if, <clears throat> if the screen is distracting and it's too much to read, just look at the ground and just follow the story. I'll try to read it in a dramatic way that's interesting. But it's really important to hear the whole story. None of these religious leaders could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen had spoken. So they persuaded other men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. In case you're not clear, politics has been involved in religion forever. Sounds like this last week. Verse 12, this roused the people, the elders and the teachers of religious law. So they arrested Stephen and they brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that, Jesus, that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses has laid down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face started to glow as bright as an angel's. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? And this was Stephen's reply. Now remember, he's talking to a Jewish council, so it's rambling, and it's very Jewish. But listen to his answer. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he had settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father had died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. But God gave him no inheritance here, not even one square foot of land. God didn't promise how, he did promise, however, that eventually the whole land would belong to Abraham and his descendants, even though he had no children yet. God also told him that his descendants would live in a foreign land where they would be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, God said, and in the end, they will come out and worship me here in this place. God also gave Abraham uh, the covenant of circumcision at that time. So when Abraham became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day. And the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob and when Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs of the uh, Israelite nation. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, so they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him 
And he rescued him from all of his troubles. And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom. So Pharaoh appointed him governor over all Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. But a famine came over Egypt and Canaan, and the, uh, there was great misery, and our ancestors ran out of food. Jacob heard that there was still grain in Egypt, so he sent his sons, our ancestors, to buy some. The second time they went, Joseph revealed his identity to his brothers, and they were introduced to Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent for his father Jacob and all his relatives to come to Egypt, 75 people in all. So Jacob went to Egypt. He died there, and, our, and did our, as did our ancestors. Their bodies were shaken to she, uh, taken to Shechem and buried in the tomb Abraham had bought for, for a certain price from uh, Hamer's sons in Shechem. As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. The king exploited our people and oppressed them, face, uh, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. At that time, Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. And when they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. One day when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his relatives, the people of Israel. And he saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite. So Moses came to the man's defense and avenged him, killing the Egyptian. Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. The next day he visited them again and saw two of men of Israel fighting. He tried to be a peacemaker. Then he said, you're brothers. Why are you fighting each other? But the man in the wrong pushed Moses aside. Who made you ruler or judge over us, he asked. Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled the country and lived as a foreigner in the land of Midian. There his two sons were born. Forty years later in the desert near Sinai, an angel appeared to Moses in a flame of a burning bush. And when Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. But then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. So God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected when they demanded, who made you ruler and judge over us? Though the angel who appeared, through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and savior. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt, through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise, you, raise up a prophet like me from among your people. Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness, when the angel spoke to him at Mount Sinai. And there Moses received life-giving words to pass on to us. But our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. I'm almost done. They told El Aaron, make us gods who can lead us, for we don't know what has become of this Moses who brought us out of Egypt. So they made an idol shaped like a calf, and they sacrificed to it and celebrated over this thing that they had made. Then God turned away from them and abandoned them to serve the stars of heaven as their gods. In the book of the prophets, it, it, it is written, Was it to me you were bringing sacrifices and offerings during the 40 years in the wilderness, Israel? No. You carried your pagan gods, the shrine of Moloch, the star of your god, Raphid, and the images you made to worship them. So I will send you into exile as far away as Babylon. Our ancestors carried the temple with them through the wilderness. It was constructed according to the plan God gave to Moses. Years later, when, Josh, when Joshua led our ancestors into battle against the nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their territory, and it stayed there until the time of King David. 
David found favor with God and asked for a privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who actually built it. However, the Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet said, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you build me a temple as good as that? Asked the Lord. Could you build me such a resting place? Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? Okay, pause. Take a breath. Because what he's just done is he's talked to religious leaders. This is a dude who went into a Sunday school class to teach it one day. He's going to a Hebrew class. He's going to synagogue. He's minding his own business. He's just Stephen, leader of the church of Jerusalem. He's doing his deal. Minding his own business. And they start drilling him. So he gives them a history lesson. And he ends it with this. You stubborn people. You are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your, answer, your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Okay, I know that there's a lot of stuff there, but the point I want to make is, This was a normal Jewish dude who was a follower of Jesus. This wasn't a special guy. This was a guy doing the deal, living his life. There's no book named after him. He's not uh, not an apostle. He's just Stephen. And we look at him in Scripture and we think this guy was special. And what does God ask of him? He's doing the deal. He's going on Saturday to worship. And God asked him to speak the truth, just like you in life at school at work and in in case you're not clear let me tell you the cost of being a follower of Jesus from Jesus himself in John 16:2 you will be expelled from the synagogues and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they're doing a holy service for God This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they happen, you'll remember my warning. John 16, 33, I'm going to jump down to the end of this chapter. I have told you all this so that you have peace in me. In me, not in the world, in me. Here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Sign up. But what choice do we have? What are your other options for happiness? A little more alcohol? I mean, the fact is that when Adam and Eve screwed up, they screwed it up for all of us. And Jesus went about a plan to fix it. And he did. And most of us in this room got saved. But many of us never got surrendered because we never fell in love with him. Because although we believe that the plan of God is good, we do not believe it's safe. And you're right. It's not. In fact, look what happens. You would think that fire would come down from heaven and protect him like it did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and the angel of the Lord would be with him, or Daniel in the lion's den, he would slay these Jewish religious false teachers. But that's not what happens in this case. Acts 7.54, the Jewish leaders were infuriated at Stephen's accusation of them. So they shook their fists at him in rage. But here's the emotion for today as we wrap up 
our Out of Stained Glass series. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And I want you to picture the scene. They're screaming at him. They hate him. And he's overtaken at the wonderment of God. And for a second, he loses his head. And he starts talking to his accuser. Look! Look! I see the heavens open to the Son of Man standing at the place of honor at God's right hand. Do you see him? That's him. He's real. All the fear is gone. And the presence of the wonderment of God. The emotion I want you to think about this morning is wonderment. We concentrate on the cancer or the trouble or the fear. And as God's kids, He has called us to intense and even a scary life of surrender. It's referred to as a spiritual battle, and we're all still kind of clueless as we try to be faithful. We're kind of clueless as to who it is we worship until that moment when He reveals Himself to us, and you're left in awe. That's the part of the story that we miss. We want to promise each other a safe and comfortable life if God is on his throne. And we pray for comfort and we pray for safety and we assume if it doesn't happen that it's not God's doing. But God often reveals himself to us in the cancer, in the storm, in the trials. He's standing before this council that are going to have him killed and he's going, wait, stop, stop talking. Do you see it? Just, just look up. 1 Corinthians 2.9. I know you know this, but I want you to be overwhelmed with it. The scriptures say that no eye has seen and no ear has heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Young man or woman who was baptized today, older person who's been baptized, brothers and sisters, we are clueless as to who this is we serve. We are clueless to his power. We are overwhelmed politically at what could happen. We are overwhelmed at the bankruptcy of our world, at the, at the immorality of our world, and we freak out when we shouldn't because God will show up when he wants to. Our job is to be surrendered and faithful. The people that you resent in this world need Jesus just like you did. Acts 7.57 Unfortunately, when Stephen says, look, it's real, this was their response. They put their hands over their ears and begin shouting like two-year-old children. Ah, da, 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 da. They rush at him, and they drag him out of the city, and they begin to stone him. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man by the name of... <laughs> That's a whole different story, isn't it? Saul. And as they stoned him, you want to know who owned Peter, whoever this guy is, Stephen in this moment? You want to know who owned him? God owned him. He was as possessed as a demon-possessed person only with the Holy Spirit. He prayed, Lord, take me. Just like Jesus on the cross, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees as these rocks are being thrown at him. 
I, I know this is going to sound funny, but when it says that he was stoned, it doesn't mean drugs. I've been asked that before. This is rocks. This is what they still do in the Middle East. They're throwing him at him to kill him. They're going to bury him in stones. His body will be under the pile by the time they're done. And as he is falling to his knees, why? Because he's dying. What does he shout? Lord, don't charge them with the sin. And with that, he died. That is what you were baptized for. That is what we signed up for. You did not sign up so you wouldn't get cancer or so that you would be wealthy or so that this country would stand on biblical principles. You were saved so that while all those things don't happen, you show faithfulness, submission, and the Holy Spirit takes over. God reveals himself to you, and you are a spectrum of his power, grace, and mercy. Because chapter 8, verse 1, the very next verse says that that day persecution like never before began in the church, and they spread. And guess what happened? Saul gets saved and becomes Paul, writes most of the New Testament and the doctrine that we have. We have the church spreading. It goes from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and then out to the other parts of the world and it spreads like wildfire because of the persecution of the church that hurt men and women but glorified God. This, my friends, is not the only time you go around. Don't believe the YOLO lie. You don't only live once if you're a child of God. You live twice and this is the bad time. This is the closest thing to hell you will ever experience. So don't expect more than a hell of a life. If you are not a child of God, this is the closest thing to heaven you will ever experience. You better do whatever it takes to be happy. Because there is no hope for you if you don't run to Jesus. You will stand before him. But for the child of God, this is as bad as it gets. It only gets better from us from here. And one day, and soon, you and I will look at the same one Stephen looked on and be so overwhelmed at his mercy and his grace and his presence that we will look back and go, please don't, I know they were unkind to me. Forgive them. They, I see now. I hear now. I understand now. This is what he died for you for. Rise up, church. Rise up, church. Not to be a political action committee. That's so little in the scheme of things. Rise up to be the temple of the Holy Spirit so that a world that is gay and transgender and hateful and murderous and lying and crooked and boisterous and self-serving looks at you and says, what do you have? I want it. And you give it to them. You give it to them. Even as they throw rocks at you. Because that's what they did to our daddy. And if it's good enough for him, it's good enough for his kids. Rise up, church. Whether you're 12 or 92, it's time to surrender. No matter what the cost. Surrender. Until death. That is what we saw this morning. Lord Jesus, use us. We give it all to you. Now do what you want to do. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would go beyond understanding how much you love us 
and begin to actually ask ourselves how much we love you. Sin is no longer our problem. Now the question is one of surrender. We love you. Help us love you more. I know that this room is full of believers. I know that on the internet, believers are watching. And inside each and every one of them is your Holy Spirit. I pray that he would speak to us for the rest of today. And that we would give up. In the name and power of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you. Bible study is going to start in about 10 minutes. Celebrate. God bless you guys who are baptized. Have a wonderful Sunday. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace.